0: Would you turn with me to the book of Acts, the first chapter? We have been in these Friday evenings teaching on the subject of healing. And I enjoy healing. Don't you? I enjoy being healthy. Being sick is a drag. A major drag. Right? How I many would agree. I mean... I've tried being sick, and I didn't like it, so I don't want to do that anymore. And I tried being broke, and I didn't like that either, so I don't want to be broke anymore. How about you? And you know, some people will try to tell you, well, now, you just have to take your lot in life, whatever that is. Well, where's that scripture at? Around here, we like scriptures. Amen. 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 We're we're not interested in building our doctrines and our faith on somebody's experience or somebody's opinion. We want to know where's the verse, right? Where's the scripture? And so things should be, you know, the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. In the, the scripture, if it's really something that's true, you'll find it throughout the word of God. Amen. You can build your life on the word of God, not just knowing it, but being a doer of it. And in that what the scripture said, Jesus taught that then when the wind blows and the rain and the flood comes, you'll stand. Yes. Amen. And when the dust clears, you'll be there Amen. holding the answer. Amen. Amen. And having the victory. Well, we, we went for weeks through the individual accounts of healing in the ministry of Jesus. Studied twenty different accounts of healing in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as you might imagine, that took a few weeks. But you know, I, I've learned that uh, you know, just like the Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing, not just hearing one time, but hearing and hearing, and just keep hearing the word in a certain area, it has a pounding effect on your spirit, and eventually it's the I call it the law of displacement. You ever had a a glass that you drank some milk out of and it still had some milk in the bottom of it? What if you put that under the faucet and you just turn the water on? What will happen? Well, the the water will come in and then you'll have a mix of milk and water. Mm -hmm. Right? And it'll be real milky. And you keep running the water, though. Just keep running that water. What happened? It gets thinner. It's less milk and more water. And eventually what happens? There's no more milk left in there. Why? It was displaced. Right? It was displaced. Well, you can get enough word in you and enough faith in you. It'll displace deception and confusion. The truth will displace lies. Amen? And your faith is being fed. Uh, You get enough faith in you, it'll displace fear. And that's a good thing. You get enough healing in you, it'll displace sickness. Yeah. Get enough life in you, it'll displace death. I had a man in, in healing school where we used to minister for some years that uh, he, he was diagnosed terminal. And the doctors already said, you know, that they didn't know how he was still alive. They figured he'd have been dead a few weeks ago. And so basically so-called living on borrowed time. But he got in the word and he was there every day at healing school, man. Well, you ought to be when, if you told you're going to die, you ought to be somewhere getting some help, especially when the doctors told you, you know, there's nothing we can do for you. Nothing can be done. We've done everything. Well, you ought not just be sitting around waiting to die. You ought to be getting some word in you. A lot of folk don't know that, but you should. We're not against doctors. Thank God for doctors. How many thank God for good? doctors? A lot of folks in this room tonight wouldn't be here, right? If it wasn't for doctors. They're fighting the same uh, enemy that we are. Sure. Right? Sure. But we don't just look to the doctor as our healer. Right. And we don't take bad reports as the final report. Amen. Right? Polk are just telling you what they see in the natural, but there is a higher report. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Amen? And when the Lord says you can live and not die, we believe that. Amen. This fellow, he was there every day in healing school, getting the word, getting the word. Months passed. Everybody say Months. He just kept getting it, kept getting it, kept getting it. And finally, man, he I mean, I could tell, you know, his he had cancer, I believe it was, in, in the final stages, and it was in his liver, and it was in his marrow, and, and all this kind of stuff. Of course, he'd given up to die. They figured, and he looked bad. I mean, he, bless his heart, he, he looked like he could just fall out of the chair at any moment. But you know, over a period of weeks and weeks and weeks, his color began to get better. Amen. Just look like a flower in the sunshine and, and all, you know, the, the jaundice and stuff in his eyes begin to clear up. He began to put on a little weight after about three months. Hallelujah. Next thing you know, after months, he's sitting there with a strong voice going, amen, brother kid. Yeah. Amen. I mean, well, you would, if you're supposed to be dead several months ago, that's something to say amen and praise God about. And, um. He gave his testimony after. I mean, he came completely back from death's door to health and soundness. Amen. Yeah. And somebody asked him what happened. He said, I got so full of, uh, of healing, there was no more room for the cancer. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he says. I got, I got so full of life, there was no more room for death. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. I call it the law of displacement. Yeah. Glory to God. You can get so full of love, there's no room for hate. Yeah. Hate is pushed out. Glory to God. You can get so full of blessing that the curse is displaced. Well, so we've been working on this for weeks now. And when we completed those 20 cases in the ministry of Jesus, now we've gotten into the book of Acts. And we're studying cases of healing in the book of Acts. So let's go further tonight in Acts, the first chapter. Let's read our scripture that we've read before. Acts 1, 1. Acts 1, 1, very first verse, it says, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. The Lord used Dr. Luke to pen the gospel account of Luke. And now that's what he's referring to when he says the former treatise. But now he, he's the Lord's beginning to use him to pen The book of Acts. And he said the former treatise. Or in other words the gospel account of Luke. Was a a document. Of all that Jesus what? Began. Both to do. And teach. So when Jesus said. It is finished on the cross. He wasn't talking about his ministry. Did you hear me? He was talking about. The redemption sacrifice. Amen. Amen. Him being the spotless Lamb, Him offering up Himself, He had done it. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But the ministry of Jesus, which consisted of teaching and preaching and healing and deliverance and miracles, Acts said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, and He, he went about doing good. Doing what? Good and healing. All those who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Was that finished when Jesus died on the cross? No. All that Jesus did in ministry was the beginning of something. And he he says this in the very first verse of this book. Because as you read through the book of Acts. You see a continuation of healing and deliverance. And people being saved and forgiven. And and miracles. Amen. Amen. Right? Is Jesus still doing miracles today? Is he still healing today? You see it in the book of Acts. All the way through. We're studying it right now. And how many understand the book of Acts is still being written? You and I are part of the same church. As they. Have the same Holy Spirit as they. Same great commission as they. Same name of Jesus as they. So we should have the same kind of healings, same kind of miracles. You know, it's it's sad that some preachers and theologians and and, and scholars are trying to tell us that the age of miracles has passed. That all that was God, you know, the Lord did that to prove his deity, prove his divinity, but then that's all passed away. Well, obviously not, because it's still happening in the book of Acts. And we can lift up our hands and say, it's still happening here. Yes. Amen. There's all kinds of people. We read testimonies every service of people, somebody else that's been healed. Scores and scores happening all the time and on a larger scale all over the world, millions. Yes. Amen. Yes. Being healed today yes. by the power of God and it belongs to every Christian. So we studied the healing of the lame man at the gate beautiful in Acts 3. And we studied the healing of Aeneas. It took us a little while to get through there, but, but we got old Aeneas healed. He got, he got healed and we're thankful for that. Shouted about that for, for weeks. But now in Acts, the 14th chapter, Acts chapter 14, let's study the healing of the crippled man at Lystra. The healing of the crippled man at Lystra in Acts 14. Let's pray before we read this. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you your word is life to us, health and medicine to all of our flesh. We thank you, Lord, that you sent your word and healed us, delivered us from destruction. Give everybody here ears to hear and Eyes to see and a heart to receive. And everybody that will hear these tapes and receive from any any medium. Let your healing come through your word. And drive out sickness and disease. And drive away death that we may live a full length of days. Without hindrance and infirmity. And we'll give you all the glory and all the praise. You are worthy. You're our God. You're our Savior. You are our provider. And you're our healer. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts 14, 1. In Acts, the 14th chapter, let's begin reading. It came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil-affected against the brethren. "...long time therefore abode they, speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of His grace, and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, and part held with the Jews, and part with the apostles." And when there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews with their rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them, they were ware of it, and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lycaonia and unto the region that lies round about. and there they preached the gospel, and there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. How many believe it happened just like that? Just like, that's not a fairy tale. That's historical account. The man lived, he was there, he he was crippled from his mother's womb, and that day, listening to the Apostle Paul preach, he jumped up and stood on those legs and and ankles and feet that had never worked, and jumped around, hopped around, and then could walk on them. I reckon, the rest of his life. How many believe that? How many know that's a miracle? That is healing, but it's a miracle of healing. Healing is a renewal or a regeneration of the body from a weakened or diseased condition. It implies a process. And uh, some people don't understand that. They think, well, if God heals you, that means it's always instantaneous. No, that's not correct. Healing, you know, God made the human body. And he put a certain amount of healing in the body that'll cause you, if you scrape your knee or cut your finger, it'll cause it to heal up. There are no intelligent people who don't believe in healing. Did you hear me? Anybody that's lived any length of time on the earth below has scraped a hand or a knee or stubbed a toe and it healed up if you're normal and healthy, right? You'll heal up. Well, God made the human body and God put a certain amount of healing in you to uh, sustain you for maintenance and just keep you up and keep you going, right? How many thankful God did that? Amen. Elsewise, if you damaged something, it'd always be that way the rest of your life. That's right. But no, it'll heal up. And in fact, you know, doctors don't heal people. That's right. You know, you take a surgery. Uh, there's a growth in there or something. And the surgeons go in and take the growth out. Well, that can be a positive thing. But then when they're done and they sew the person back up, well, they didn't heal them. They removed a problem. But if they're going to be healed... Somebody says, well, the body has to heal itself. Yeah, but who made it that way? Who put that in there? You know, who put life in the body? Who put healing in the body? People say, well, we just don't understand this. No, you just don't believe. God made the earth. He made human beings and he put healing in us. Well, there's a lot more healing where that came from. How many believe that? And In this case, here's a man that something was wrong with him, but there was so much healing power that came into him from God that it corrected everything in a moment of time. And he jumps up. You know, this is a miracle in more ways than one. I mean instantly, his feet and ankle bones are healed, and his legs are healed, but you know, he's never walked in his life. We saw this in Acts uh, 3 with the lame man at the gate called Beautiful too. I mean... How, you know, he never learned how to walk as a toddler. He's not only walking, he's leaping. He's jumping. He's running. This is a miracle. A miracle of healing. A sign and wonder. And I believe we serve the same God. He hadn't changed one iota. If it pleased him then, it pleases him now. If it was good in his eyes then, it's good in his eyes now. If it was his will then, it's his will now. And he's no respecter of persons. If he'd do it for him, he'd do it for somebody else. Can you say amen? Amen. God is the healer, the great physician. He forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. Thanks be unto God forever we have a healer. I said we have a healer. I'm telling you, if the baby's running a fever late in the nighttime and nobody knows what to do, we know what to do. We know who to go to. If you get a bad report and they tell you there's no hope, there is hope. We know who to go to. I'm glad about that. I said, I'm glad about that. I don't have to throw up my hands in despair and cry and think about taking my life because there's no way out. There is a way out, a good way out, a way to live and not die, overcome. Amen. I'm so glad. How many can raise your hand with me and say, I've been healed many times. The Lord has healed me many times. Glory to God. There's been a number of times in my body that something looked like it started and looked like it was wrong or something to get, you know, you could get scared about, but I just spoke to it. I just put my faith on it. And I mean, you know, sometimes in a matter of of minutes, sometimes a matter of days, sometimes in a matter of weeks, but it went away. Hallelujah. Healed i understand that there's enough stuff in the atmosphere and in the food we eat and in the water we drink to kill us a million times over, right? And we'd all been dead a long, long time ago, except the Lord sustained us and he will sustain us. He will continue to sustain us till we finish our whole race, complete our whole course, do what we're put here to do, and then we'll be ready to go anyway. Amen. Without disease. Acts 14, let's back up and begin reading this. In verse 3, 1 through 3, it said that they stayed there and they spoke boldly in the Lord. You know, you can't be wish-washy and wavery about what you believe and get results. And preachers can't preach wavery and wish-washy. I know of a friend of mine that was in seminary same time I was at, at uh he was going on to his doctoral studies, and I wasn't there. I didn't have the education that, that he had. And so I was curious to know what he was getting. And so I asked him about a couple of things, because they're delving into the you know, depth, length, breadth, and height of theology, and and about a certain issue I'd been thinking. I said, well, what do you believe, what have you found out about this? He said, well... Dr. So-and-so in his study on such-and-such states this and this. And he says, but Doctor other Dr. So-and-so, he states that completely opposing view. He said, but also other third Dr. So-and-so in his book on such-and-such, he states a third completely different idea. And he said, but also fourth Dr. So-and-so. And and I mean, he went on and on like that I would be impressed with that. And finally, I said, well, okay. I said, what do you believe? He said, well, I see some merit in first Dr. So-and-so's <laughs> position. But I also see some merit in second Dr. So-and-so. And I also see some merit in third. And I also see some merit fourth. I thought to myself, I hope you don't have to stand in this area anytime soon. Because you don't know what you believe. Amen. Amen. And people who don't know what they believe cannot be bold. It's one of the big things that make you bold. Being bold is not being arrogant. Being bold is not being pushy. Did you hear me? You know, there's some people that are just flat rude. And they try to, to spiritually excuse it and call it being bold. Did you hear me? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Just push roughshod over people and demanding and uh, just unpleasant. And rude, crude, and uncouth. And anything come up about it, they say, well, you know, that's my prophetic anointing. I'm sorry, but that's just, you know, my anointing. It got nothing to do with anointing. It's called flesh. <laughs> flesh. And, and, no, no. Being bold has got nothing to do with being rude. That's right. Nothing at all. You're bold when you know. You're bold when you're sure. Yes. Amen? Amen? You stop somebody and you ask them for directions. And they go, well, now let me see. You uh, you go up here to the next intersection and take a right, or is it a left? I think it's a right. And you go about a mile, maybe five. <laughs> and there's a service day, I think it's a Texaco, or maybe a Chevron. I don't know. <laughs> They're not confident. Why? They They're not sure. They don't know. But you ask somebody else. You say, "Well, do you know how to get there? "Oh yeah, yeah, I've lived here. Used to go to work right up there. You go up here 1.2 miles and take a right, and it's three miles and it's on the left, right there. Are you sure?" "Yeah. Well, maybe it's something. No, that's where it is. That's being bold, yeah. right? Why? Because you're sure. you're sure. You know." And you can tell when people have faith and when they don't. Yes. See, you know, Phyllis is reading the testimony about the lady that her family is calling her cocky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, see, why are they calling her cocky? Because mm-hmm. they're not sure. That's right? right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're not sure. They don't know. Will God heal you? Is it God's will for you to be healed? And they, and they go, well, well. you just never know. (Laughter sometimes. Now, what do you know already? What is know. this? Wavering. Yeah. Maybe yes, maybe no. We don't know. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. I see people try, they try to put on their spiritual face and go, well, God in his sovereignty has just not seen fit to reveal certain things. And of course, that, some of that's true, but is it His will for us to get saved? Yes. Are you wondering about that? No. Do you tell people that so, say, Well, I'd like to come to Jesus? You go, Well, He might save you <laughs> if it's His will. But you just never know. <laughs> no, we're bold. We tell people, Yes, you come to Jesus. Uh, you know, yeah. I had a fellow one time ask me, He said, I'm going to bring uh, a friend of mine, a relative of mine, to the healing school. He said, What's the chances of them getting healed? that's what he asked me <laughs> well see he, he's been dealing with uh, medical profession and he wants a percentage number he wants like you know a 50-50 chance you know or a 40% chance or or you know <laughs> well nobody had ever asked me that question that was years ago and I thought what's the chance of him getting healed he thought it was a very legitimate question he's looking at me waiting on the answer I said, well, I said, are you a Christian? He said, yes, sir. Told me what church you went to. I said, you've been born again? No, I've been born again. I said, what if a person comes in and uh, they ask you, you know, they said, well, I'm thinking about going down to the altar this morning when they give the altar call. Uh, What's the chances you think of me getting saved? What would you tell them? Huh? 100%. If they go down and they genuinely repent. And they genuinely believe. And they genuinely receive Jesus as Lord of their life. And confess him as Lord with their mouth. What's the chances? There's no chance involved. Right? (laughs) They're going to get saved every time. I said the same Bible that teaches that teaches healing. It's not based on any chances. It's based on the word. You do the word. You get results. Every time. You didn't get results. You didn't do the word. Right? And people can act like, well, you know, God just saw fit not to do it when they didn't do the word. But that's not the case. That's not the case. Now, uh, let's keep reading. If I keep commenting on every verse like that, how are we going to get through? Expository. (laughs) It said they they spoke boldly. That's what we're talking about. You remember that, right? Y'all with me? Boldly. (laughs) <laughs> he went on to say the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and verse 4 says uh, the, the city was divided here's a question can or does truth divide can the truth divide well I know that sounds like a strange thing to you but the answer obviously is yes when the truth is preached you remember Jesus said In in Luke 12, he said, do you suppose I'm come to give peace on the earth? He said, I tell you, no, but division. From henceforth, there'll be five in one house divided. Three against two, two against three. What's he talking about? Because when the truth comes and people hear it and people are convicted and they see the light. When the light comes and you're shown that you're not right, right? You'll do one of two things. You'll humble yourself and receive the light and repent. Repent means change. Or you'll harden yourself and resist it through pride. Go to the 28th chapter of Acts and read this. Acts 28, verse 23. Last chapter, verse 23. And when they had appointed him a day to Paul, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, uh, for a good hour and a half. Because that's long enough for anybody to preach. Really too long. (laughs) <laughs> don't get scared am I reading the Bible and Paul preached how long <laughs> that sounds like all day is that right I mean that sounds like 10-12 hours right 12 hours 12 hours of preaching non-stop People are looking at each other like, boy, what's he he getting ready to do? No, don't get scared. (laughs) How many remember in this same book, Paul was preaching up in the upper room? Remember that? And he started preaching and went all night. He went all night long. Young man named Eutychus. Remember him? Side. he'd sit in the window. And Paul was going on and on and on and on into the night past eight o'clock, past 10 o'clock, past 1230, past three in the morning, past four, you just fell asleep and fell out the window. (laughs) They had to come down. Disrupted the service when they heard him hit the ground, and they all had to come out. Remember that? Pray over him, and uh, God healed him. How I many was dangerous to go to sleep in church? I reckon. <laughs> this is all Bible. I'm re- that, right. It's all Bible. And Paul said, "I'm not quite through." Am I telling the truth? And they went back up. Is that right? And he picked up where he left off and continued the mourning. My, my. You know, we ought to at least be open to this kind of thing. Did you hear me? People that are so tied to a clock and so tied to other things in their life, they think they have to do not even open to these kind of things. And we've been talking about the move of God and not just all night preaching, but the Holy Ghost could move in other ways, too. We ought to at least be open Amen. to something other than a certain time slot. Amen. If we're not, we'll, we'll miss God. Yeah. Got to be open. What was I talking about before I got off on that? He preached from morning till evening. And he used all the scripture he had. He, he used the law of Moses and the prophets. In his day, that was the whole Bible. How many think he did a good job? How many think by the Holy Ghost, he covered some ground and he did a good job? No question, right? But verse 24, here's the results. And everybody was thrilled and got saved and became partners with Paul's ministry. (laughs) No, and what? Some believed the things which were spoken, and some, believe not. some believed not. Was well, the ones that didn't believe is because Paul didn't do a good enough job no. preaching to? How many know the same thing happened with the Master Himself, That's right. Jesus Himself? He'd go and preach sometimes, you know, extensively. How many believe He did a good job? Oh, yeah. well, ain't no question about that. No. But did everybody believe Him? No, no. everybody received it. No. Well, what about today? What do you think? No. I mean, the results are always going to be like that. Some are going to believe. Some are not. That's the way it is. And because of that, there will be division. Did you hear me? If you get saved and you get on the path of following God and somebody that used to be your best bud doesn't get saved, it's going to be a problem. You're not going to go partying with them. They don't want to go to church with you. Did you hear me? Even among blood, among family, or among friends. I mean, that's what Jesus was talking about. So yeah, the truth can divide. It does. It will. Smart people go with God. The dumb ones don't. Go back to Acts 14. Everybody say, I'm not dumb. Good. So verse 3 Acts 14:3 long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord which gave testimony to the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands The Lord did what? Back up. He gave testimony. To what? To the apostle Paul. No. Now to what? To the word. Another translation said, he gave his approval to the preaching. Another one said, he confirmed the message of grace. He confirmed what? The message of his grace. The message, he confirmed the words. Does that sound familiar to you? What does that sound like? Scriptorians, come on, what does that sound like? Where'd you hear that? Mark, go ahead and turn there real quick. Mark 16, verse 20. I got a church full of folks that know the Bible. I can start a verse and they'll finish it for me. (laughs) Don't laugh too hard, just say amen. Mark 16, 20. And they... The disciples went forth and did what? Preaching. Preached Preaching. Everywhere. everywhere. Wonder what they preached. Word. They preached the word to preach the gospel. Word. And the Lord working with them. Actually, the word them's in italics. Means it was added by the translators, doesn't represent an actual Greek word. So the Lord working with and confirming the word, word with signs following. Word. Amen. That sounds just like what we're reading here, isn't it? He confirmed what? He confirmed his word with signs. One of the signs we just got through reading here was healing. Right? Does the word talk about healing? How how could you have healing confirmed if there was nothing in the word on healing? Are you with me? So there must be a word of healing. For the Lord to be able to confirm and have healing that confirmed a word. Are you with me? Yes, amen. And uh, here's what you got to understand. The Lord is not obligated to confirm everything I preach. Or everything any preacher preaches. He's not obligated to, you know, just be, I, I, can, I can get up here and, and scream and holler and shout and, and say all kind of stuff. He is not obligated to confirm anything. Except what he said. Did you hear me? If I tell you what I think. And my opinion. And my experience. And and it's not his word. He has no obligation. To confirm any of that. But if I tell you what he said. Amen. He's ready to back that. He's obligated by his own faithfulness and integrity. He's exalted his word above his name. And heaven and earth will pass away. But this word. Will never fail. Amen. Amen. And he's not obligated to believe. Excuse me. To confirm everything you believe. Did you hear me? He's not obligated to confirm. Everything you pray. Or everything you confess. Or everything you believe. You can believe something ever so strongly. But if it's not the word. Don't expect it to be confirmed. Did you hear me? If we're not seeing as much confirmation in our life, what should we immediately check? What are we believing? People like to think that everything comes out of their mouth is the word, but that's wishful thinking. So much is opinion and theory and tradition that's got nothing to do with the word. So much stuff that people believe and and even preach. I think sometimes, you know, we have nutritional labels on uh, our food now. It'd be great if we had spiritual content labels on TV programs and books and tapes, teaching and preaching tapes. And uh, if it was accurate, of course, I don't know who'd be qualified to do it. But if it was accurate, it'd say, you know, 20% unbelief, 20% tradition. 20% filler. Just a bunch of hoopla. And hot air. And, and then, you know, maybe X percent amount of, of word or faith. But uh, what we ought to be uh, shooting for all the time is to eliminate the other stuff. And, and that's why we ought to examine everything. Where's the verse? Where's the scripture? Now, uh, it said that when they preached this and the Lord confirmed the word. And the city was divided. I'm back to Acts 14 now. And when they, uh, when these individuals that didn't believe tried to hurt Paul and, uh, and his company. And when they were aware of it, they left. How many understand sometimes it's not time to make confessions and stay? You know, people find out, well, you know, there's danger. And they go, well, I'm just going to believe it. It won't happen to me. Well, you also must be led by the Spirit. And there are times when you hear something bad's about to happen and it's time to get out of town. They left town. Right? They left. And they went to Lystra and Derby and cities of Lyconia and the region that lies round about, and there they preached the gospel. What is the gospel? Good news. Good news, not bad news, good news. They preach the gospel. What is the gospel? You're going to hell if you don't change. That's preached oftentimes as the gospel, but that's not good news. That's bad news. Right? What's good news? Jesus died for you. Paid the price for your sins. God loves you. He's not holding your trespasses against you. The price has already been paid for in Jesus. If you'll just believe and accept God, you can be completely cleansed and forgiven. Make heaven your home. That's good news. Now, if they reject that and say, I don't believe it and I don't want it. Well, then we got bad news for them. You're going to hell if you don't change. But give them the good news first. Right? If they accept it, you don't have to give them any bad news. Well, there they preach the gospel. Say it out loud. They preach the gospel. And there's a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. He was born this way, obviously, from his mother's womb. Correct? So we would call this a birth defect. Don't you think? He was born... Something was wrong in his legs. The Bible says impotent. That means without strength. He had no strength in his, uh, what does it say? In his feet. So either the muscles didn't develop right or the bones didn't develop right. Something didn't develop because his feet or his ankle, sometimes the word feet includes all that, that uh, they were not strong enough for him to stand on or for him to walk on. Birth defect. Here's a question I want want you to think about. Was it the will of God for him to be born this way? There are many people that will tell you, obviously yes, because they believe that everything that happens is the will of God. And then you've got some people even try to tell you that God had this man born that way so he could later on heal him. Hmm? People believe that. They teach that. Well, that's like me coming and slapping you real hard or bloody in your nose and then saying, I'm sorry, I want to do that so I could help you heal. Now I want to pray for you. If I'd have never punched you, you wouldn't need prayer. Amen. Right? Yeah. We don't think that's okay. If somebody if parents did that to their child, we call it child abuse. Right. Hmm? Yeah. Well, I broke his arm so I could teach him something. We think that's absolutely unacceptable. But people will say that that's alright for God to do that. No. Well if it's alright for God to do it. It's alright for us to do it. He tells us to be imitators of him. Yeah. Right? That's right. <laughs> Imitate him like a child imitates a father. No. Birth defects are not the will of God. Did you hear me? All. Aberrations. All mutations. All deformities are a result of the curse that's in the earth. Did you hear me? There were no such things in the beginning when God made Adam and Eve. There were no such things. And the curse is in the earth because of sin. Right? Why are there birth defects? Because of sin in the earth. Because the curse is in the earth. We may not know all the answers as to why some things happen to some and some don't happen to others. We don't know. There's a lot of things we don't know. We don't know the whole history of that person's family. We, we don't know uh, a whole lot of things. We do know this. It's never God's perfect will. Did you hear me? Never. Never. Is any kind of birth defect or deformity? Never. Are these things the perfect will of God? And how many believe that all things are possible to God? Yes. He healed people who had birth defects all their life. Yes. Didn't he? Yes. Would he do it again? Yes. I believe he would. I believe it's his will. Amen. Amen. I mean, there's so many folk, uh, both medical profession and in the religious profession, will tell people that, you know, God made you special by making you deformed. And he has a purpose in it, even if you don't understand it. And there is no hope of ever being different, but that's just the way God has chosen. But they leave out all this we've been talking about, about the curse and about sin And they leave out how the people who had deformities all their life were healed by the power of God. Amen. Amen. There is hope. I said there is hope. I believe anything can be healed. I believe it literally. All things are possible to him that believes. I believe it. Amen. Amen. I believe anything could be fixed if you could believe. Anybody with me on that? So it's not hopeless. You don't have to resign yourself to the will of God because it's not the will of God. It wasn't the will of God. Healing is the will of God. Deliverance is the will of God. Wholeness is the will of God. This man is an adult now. 25, 35, 55 years old. I don't know. An adult. And he has never taken a step in his life. Because he was born deformed. But on this day. Something is different. How did it start? Can you find it? How did it start? Can we trace back the beginning of his miracle? How did it start? Paul's crusade team. Came to town. Oh hallelujah. Hallelujah. They had a meeting and he preached the good news. Hallelujah. How many believe he preached it boldly? He didn't apologize for God. He wasn't rude, but he was confident. He was sure of what he was talking about. Amen. And he told them that God was good. He told them the price had been paid in Jesus. He told them they could be saved. And he obviously told them they could be healed. Amen. I'm going to prove this to you. Obviously. As he's a preaching. Something happened. Read with me. Can you help me out? What happened? There they preached the gospel. And there was there what? Certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb who never had walked. Right? And the same heard Paul speak. Does that remind you of another verse? What? What's the man doing? First thing that happened, preacher came to town. Started preaching. Not tradition, preaching the word. Preaching not bad news, good news. And this man sitting there doing what? Hearing. Hearing, listening, hearing. What happens when you hear the word? Oh, glory to God. Faith. Isn't it what Romans 10 says? So then faith comes by hearing. Faith doesn't come by praying for faith. Did you hear me? Ah, Millions of Christians have wasted all kind of time begging God to give them faith. The Bible never said to pray for faith. Did you hear me? Bible never told you faith comes by praying. Amen. Faith comes by hearing. hearing. It is written, Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the, not, not by people's opinions and theories and experiences, by the word of the living God. Yes. Hallelujah. The word concerning Jesus, one literal translation says. Yeah. By that word, faith comes. You don't go to other people that you think have faith and say, lay hands on me and give me some faith. You don't fast and pray and beg God, please give me faith. No, get in this book. Get in this book. Get in good church services and good meetings. And read and hear. And oh, wonder of wonders, faith will come out of the spoken and the heard word. And come into your being. Oh, it's an amazing thing. It's a wonderful thing. How that faith. Faith's a precious thing. It's called precious in the Bible. Faith will come into you. This man got faith to be healed. It's right there, isn't it? How do we know he had faith to be healed? Keep reading. And Paul what? Perceiving that the man was about to get faith. Huh? Was in the process of getting some faith. No. He had. Or some translation says. Has. Faith. To be healed. Let's stop right here. We just stop right here. Don't read any, any further. If you stopped right at this moment in time. What's going on? Paul's still preaching. The man's still listening. Does the man have faith to be healed right now? Yes. Bible said he did. Is he healed? No far as being healed manifest in his body no but does he have faith to be healed yes Yes, but he's not healed are you getting this can you have faith for something and not have it yes yes Yes, because faith must be released faith must be acted upon this is one of my favorite healings in all in all the Bible. I, I, I so enjoy thinking about it, talking about it. Do you have a caption up up above on your columns up here, you know how little captions. Some of them say Paul healeth the cripple. Anybody got that? Paul healeth the cripple. Some say say Paul at Lystra. Paul healeth the cripple is a lie. That's right. Men wrote that in there. That is not so. Paul did not heal this man right. at all. Now, I'm not just saying that as a standard thing because sometimes it talks about people. Well, actually, in um, we'll look at it a little bit later on, unless the Lord leads us differently. But when he's on the island, you know, they're shipwrecked. It talks about he went in and ministered healing to an individual, and that was something by the Spirit. But here, that's nothing like that. This man did not get healed through Paul's faith. This man did not get healed through gifts of the Spirit operating through Paul. This man had faith himself to be healed. He was healed on his own faith. There was no fast organ music. There was no lightning falling out of the sky. or audible voices. No special gifts or manifestations of the Spirit. He heard the gospel preached. He got faith to be healed. And had a miracle. In his body. I'm so excited about this. Because this can happen anywhere. Anytime. For anybody. You don't have to wait for some special move of the Spirit. This is faith he got How? By hearing the gospel. Oh glory to God. Now I know. Even though it's not all in the text there. I know. Paul had to have preached to them that day. That it was God's will. For all of them to be healed. Did you hear me? I know that. How would you know that? Because of the nature of faith. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Let me give you an example. If I came in here this evening. And I said man the Lord's been a blessing me. And I got a big roll of money here. I got a big wad of $100 bills. And the Lord has dealt with me. To give 50 people in this place. $100 bills each. I'm not saying that. I said if. I said that. This is purely suppositional. (laughs) An example, if you will. But if I stood up and said, Man, I got a big roll of money here. God's blessed me. I feel led to give 50 people in this place a $100 bill each. Here's the question. Could you have faith to receive a $100 bill from me? (laughs) I always get the same response. Some folk go, Yeah. Others go, No. Others go, Maybe. The answer is no. And I says, yeah, I could believe it. No, let's say you came up then and you said, "Uh, I'll take my $100 bill now, Brother Keith. And I said, who told you I was going to give you a $100 bill? What would you say? Huh? You said, well, you you couldn't say I did because I didn't tell you I was going to give you a $100 bill. I said 50 people and there's more than 50 people in here. So how would you know you're one of the ones that's going to get it? Now let's not talk about word of knowledge and gifts of spirit. Now I'm talking about how would you know? You say, Well, I'm just going to believe that I'm I'm one of the ones. You can't. Now, if you don't understand this, don't turn this loose till you get this. Because people are confused about faith, they don't understand. There's no way you could have faith in me that I would give you that because I didn't tell you I would. You don't know. Everybody heard 50 people. You don't know who's going to be one of the 50 and who is not. And if I said that that way, nobody in here could have faith confidently expecting to get it based on what? And if he preached to that crowd that day that God heals some and some he does not... And sometimes it's his will and sometimes it's not. Nobody in the crowd could have got faith to be healed. Because they wouldn't have known whether they're one of the lucky ones or whether they're not. Did you hear me? And that's why the devil has pushed this unscriptural teaching so hard. Because it robs good people of their faith. They're always wondering, well, is it God's will? Am I one of the lucky ones or not? But what if I came in here tonight? And I said, man, I'm packing tonight. Glory to God. I got two big rolls of $100 bills. I'm so blessed. And I just feel impressed to give whosoever will in this room a $100 bill tonight. Could you have faith to get a $100 bill from me? And if you came up and said, I'll take my $100 bill now. And I said, well, who told you I was going to give you a $100 bill? What would you say? Yeah, but I didn't call your name. What did I say? Well, what would that include? Anybody in the room. And if my word is good, you get a bill. Right? You understand what I'm talking about? Has God used language like that? That whoever believes. Huh? Anybody that will believe and say and receive. Well, see, it has to be that way in order to have faith. You can't be entertaining a question of maybe it's his will, maybe it's not. Uh, We hope so. We don't know. Faith cannot exist in those kind of circumstances. So I told you all that to say this. We know beyond any question that Paul boldly preached the good news that it was God's will for all of them to be healed there that day. Because that man sitting there, a heathen, idol worshiper all his life, a cripple, a beggar. Didn't know the Bible, didn't know anything, but he heard Paul tell him that there was a God who made the heavens and earth that would heal him. Amen. Not maybe, not might. We'll see. He heard Paul tell him God would heal him. And while he sat there listening to that, faith came up in his heart. He believed that God would heal him. Oh, glory to God. He believed it. He believed it. But he's still crippled. He's sitting there with faith in his heart to be healed, but crippled. What happened next? Paul, perceiving that the man had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, (laughs) Stand upright on your feet, man. And he moved. (laughs) Ha <laughs> what's happening when he moved he, he is expressing his faith yeah. faith without works faith without action is dead. is dead produces no results is there such a thing as dead faith yes. what would dead faith be inactive faith yeah. see millions of Christians Come and gather and sit and talk about what they believe and go home and do nothing. And talk about what they believe and do nothing. And talk about what they think and do nothing. How many understand it is the doer of the word that gets results. It is only the doer. You can talk and theorize and expound on tithing to you blue in the face. But until you start tithing. In faith. You can talk about confession. You can talk about faith. You can talk about protection. You can talk about all these things. But until you begin to do things. Act on it. Put it into your lifestyle. Live by it. It's only then. That the miracles start happening. Every one of these testimonies. That Phyllis reads up here. What do we know? Somebody didn't just hear. What they do? They believed it, they received it, and they acted on it. Amen. They acted on it. And it's only when you act that the power comes. It's only when you act that God steps and confirms that word that you acted on. Paul did three things. The man did three things. Paul preached. Paul Perceived the man had faith. And Paul prompted the man to act on his faith. You see that? Preached, perceived, prompted. What did man do? He heard what Paul preached. He had faith. Amen. And he hopped, he jumped. He stood, he acted, right? He acted on what he believed. Let's go over this now. How many believe this happened just like this? How many believe this is not just in here for us to go, ooh, I ain't that great? We're to understand this is how it works today. This is how it works for everybody. There are many things that happened that were in the church, early days of the church that are not recorded. These are recorded because they belong to everybody. Forever, they reveal unchanging principles of faith, God's will for everybody. How many believe preachers are to preach in faith? Amen. They are not to preach wish-washy stuff. If you don't know, don't talk about it. Amen. Right? If you're not sure, don't talk about it. But what you do talk about and you're sure, don't mince words. Tell what God will do. Amen. Tell what the truth is. Tell what the word says. Don't back up on it. Amen. Amen. If you want faith to be produced in the hearer, you must preach it in faith. If you don't believe it, how are they going to be convinced? (laughs) Do it. And then once a person has faith, you don't stop there. You must act on what you believe because it's only then that the power comes. Notice what happened. Paul preached. Paul perceived. Paul prompted the man. The man heard. The man had faith. Now now stop right here. Paul's preaching. Just like I'm doing right now. You know, maybe better, but he's preaching. And he's looking across the crowd. And he noticed something about this man that was different from people sitting around him. Faith is perceivable. Amen. It's perceivable. He saw something about the countenance of his face. Something in his spirit bore witness about this man. And he knew it was at the point where this man's ready to act on his faith. Right? He didn't want to finish his, his, his sermon. He didn't want to get to the conclusion. He didn't want to wait till after the altar call. He just says, hey, you, you man right there. He looked at him. He said, me? He said, yeah, you believe this, don't you? He said, mm-hmm. He said, well then, get up, get up, get up right now, get up. Glory. And that man, he's never walked a step in his life. He was born deformed. His feet can't hold him up. He's heard about Zeus and Mercury and Apollo and how the gods saw fit for him to be born that way. But I'm telling you that's out the window today. (laughs) I'm telling you he ain't thinking about Zeus and Mercury. He's thinking about this Jesus he just heard about. And this man tells him that Jesus died for him and will heal him. And he said, I believe that. I believe that. Something bore witness in his spirit with that. He's sitting there crippled. He believed that. And Paul perceived his faith and called him to act. And when he did, the power of God came on his feet. In a moment of time, I don't know if you could have heard the bones pop or muscles grew. I don't know what happened, but a miracle happened in his feet. And he's standing there, jumping, leaping. Oh, how would you jump? How would you shout if you never took a step in your life? Oh, glory to God. Is God good? Oh, God is so good. He's a healing God. He's a good God. He's a miracle working God. Now let's back up. Could this man live without being healed? He'd lived all his life. Could he have made it? Could he have been a Christian? And serve God without his feet being healed? Sure he could have. But God wanted him healed. And he believed to be healed. Faith without works is dead. It's a fact. James says so repeatedly. Let me tell you something else works without faith is just as dead. Why didn't Paul tell the other people there what to do? Why did he wait till this point in the message to tell him that? Because it wasn't until then he perceived faith. You hear of people that get, you know, hear 20 minutes of something on healing and go throw their insulin medicine away. And die. And somebody that didn't take their child to the doctor. Because they're believing God. And Jesus is their healer. And the child dies. And they wind up in jail. And people say well that's those faith healers. That's got nothing to do with faith. Did you hear me? And it's sad. But people don't need to be encouraged to act. Unless there's faith. Did you hear me? And you don't have to wait for somebody to tell you to act. You can get that in your own heart. Amen. Amen. And because there are different levels of faith. There are different levels of action. Always the number one action is to speak. That is an action. That is a release of faith. How did you get born again? Hmm? What did you do? You believed in your heart. Right? And how did you release that faith? Did you jump off the house or swim across the lake? How did you release that faith? What else did you do to release your faith? That was all the action necessary for you to be born again, which is one of the greatest miracles you will ever receive. Right? How did you release your faith? Never belittle the action of speaking. Sometimes that's all the action necessary. Like in the new birth. You believe in your heart. You say it with your mouth. You release your faith with your words. That's an action. But there are numerous times that the Lord will uh, deal with you to take a step in a direction and act. And you must also do that. Phyllis and I, our whole ministry, that's the way everything has happened. That's how this church is here. Everything, the Lord dealt with us. There comes a time when you quit praying and you start taking steps. Did you hear me? You take a step. We took steps toward getting this property, but no members, no where's the money going to come from, didn't have a clue. But you don't just sit and wait for it all to fall on you when the Lord deals with you. The key to miracles is what Jesus' mom said to the servants at the wedding. Whatever he says to you, do it. Do it. And when you take that step, how many understand the Lord, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Jesus was talking through Paul that day? Wasn't he? When he looked at that man and said, get up, get up. Does that sound familiar? Rise and walk. Who's that sound like? Just like Jesus. Why? Because this is Jesus talking through part of his body. Oh, glory to God. The word is true, the word brings faith, and acting your faith brings miracle working power. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, please. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I got to looking through my notes this, uh, this evening. You know, trying to pray a little bit about what we do after this. (laughs) I thought what should we stay on healing I saw I had enough notes for at least three years (laughs) just on healing to just keep going on healing (laughs) probably it may be more like five but no we won't do that unless the Lord says that but how many believe the Bible is full of healing I mean healing God healed in the Old Testament He healed in the Psalms and the Prophets He healed in the Gospels He healed in the Book of Acts yes. He healed in the Epistles And He heals today yes. Amen. Do you understand here This man was not healed through prayer It's scriptural to pray for the sick But you don't have to be prayed for to be healed This, this man was not healed Through laying on of hands Is that right? Laying on the hands is scriptural, but he wasn't healed through that. How was he healed? Through hearing the word and acting his faith, acting on his faith. Now, I'm going to pray over you. And uh, especially if you've had a problem in your body, you know, people are looking for a quick fix. But I'm going to encourage you. Continue to get in the word. All of those 20 cases that we've already gone through are on tape back there. And if you don't live here close by, find you a church that preaches healing. Don't go somewhere and and, and put your money in the offering for somebody to tell you that you can't be healed. and you And you can't live and you can't prosper. Did you hear me? You can't, Especially if you've been diagnosed with a serious problem, you can't afford that. You've got to get something in you to be fed for your faith. Get, find some place. You'll know it when you find it. Uh, find the place where you fit and where you'll get fed. And here's the thing. Stay with it. This woman got healed. She said 13 weeks. That's not long. But a lot of times, you know, people who do that with natural physicians, they go to the doctor and he says, come back next week. So they come back. He said, come back next week. So they come back. Come back next week. Just sit out in the, in the waiting room, wait two hours, then go in, come back next week and they'll come back. Take this medicine three times a day. They'll do it. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with that, but folks will come back next Sunday and get some more. Well, I got a shot with my family. Well, I got, see, people don't know the importance of the word. Keep feeding. Keep taking your medicine. Hallelujah. Keep taking it. Keep pumping yourself full of the word, full of faith, full of life. And secondly, what? As the Lord deals with you, act. Act on your faith. He deals with you to do something, you do it. He deals with you to speak something, you speak it. And as you do, you'll be releasing that faith that has come into you through the word.